Thank you, Jesus. You know, we're talking about today getting connected. And uh, we're going to talk about how to get more connected so that you can love God more. Would you like to do that? Would you like to be able to love Jesus more than you do right now? And, uh, I would, you know, the, the gospel starts, the message of the scriptures starts in a garden. It starts with the God who wanted one thing. He wanted relationship. He wanted love. He wanted to give love. He wanted to share love. He wanted to, to experience that. And so he created these, these, these things called human beings. And he designed them to be in relationship with him. He created them for himself to inter- relate and interact. He created us. Every one of you around here are created with a desire for relationship, with a desire for closeness, with a desire for, for, for love and acceptance and, and just to be who you are and not have to wear any masks or do anything like that. All of us are like that. There were some comments made a little bit ago about Facebook. Why do you think Facebook is so important to people these days? Why do you think Twitter makes a difference to people? Why do you think bars are packed on a Friday or Saturday night or for lunchtime during the Because people are looking for somebody that will listen to them, somebody they can talk to, somebody they can pour their guts out to. Why do you think that is? Because we're created for relationship. It's about relationship. It's always been about relationship. It will always be about relationship. Always, always, always. And the reason we're talking, what do you think about coffee shops? Why do you think coffee shops have become such a big deal? Take it fast. Why do you think, how many of you guys were at some sort of a Buckeye gathering yesterday? Anybody? I was. The rest of you have given up, haven't you? I can tell. Huh? Because we look for a place where we can connect on something common. We look for a place where we're all pointing in the same direction. We, we're sharing the same thing, the same affinities. I see that shirt, Harry. You're a true fan, brother. And that's why. Listen, I want to tell you something. How many of you guys heard, heard on Friday the president declared a state of emergency because of H1N1? Have you guys heard that? That means all the, all the, he's changed some of the rules. Suddenly you don't need as many doctors and nurses. Peggy can probably tell us. Don't have to jump through as many hoops. Is that correct? To do treatment? That's what I understand. I don't know. Did you know I heard a stat today? And I'm trying to create fear. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get to a point, so just bear with me. Would you bear with me real quick? I heard a stat this weekend. They anticipate 63% of the, the population of the United States will be infected with H1N1. That's what I heard on the news. I'm just conveying what I heard, okay? A few weeks ago, I asked Leah to make a, make a phone call to the health department because I heard several pastors had been contacted. They were asking to take precautions and tell things to their people and make sure we were doing certain things. And, and the, the director of the health department in Ross County, correct me if I'm wrong, said these words, I need for you to know something. If we have to, we will, and we have the authority to shut the church down. to prevent any further spread of this stuff, okay? Now listen to me. Listen. Many of you thought, well, you know, house churches and things aren't that big of a deal. We're not like in China or anything like that, and we're not facing persecution. You know what? 
things keep going the way they're going, maybe in the next few weeks, you better find yourself in a connection group because that might be the only church you're allowed to have legally. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest. Okay? Because they can probably press charges and keep us from gathering together. But you know what? If some of you want to gather together around a meal at somebody's house, I can't stop you from doing that. And if a Bible study breaks out, guess what? That's okay. Are you hearing me? This is real. This is applicable. What I'm talking about makes a difference in your life right here in the here and now. What we're talking about over the next three weeks has, a, has an applicable effect to your life right here in the here and now. And so we're going to go there. Did you know that Jesus, our Savior, had a connection group? Did you guys know that? He had a small group of people that were his closest buddies. Did you know that? He called 12 guys to his side and said, let's go. Let's go do something together. Let's learn together. Let's grow together. Let's do something significant together. Jesus did that. Jesus revealed more. You can go with me, Thomas. Oh, I love that. Jesus revealed more about himself in the context of a small group than he did any place else. He would preach to crowds, even thousands but oftentimes, the crowd would not get the real gist of what he was talking about. Oftentimes, he would take that, that, that message he took to the crowds, and he would pull his disciples aside, his connection group, and he'd go, now here's what I'm really talking about. How do you know that? Well, you look at Matthew 13. Matthew 13, he's talking in parables, and he says, listen, it's been given to you, my group, my disciples, to know these things. I will reveal to you, I will speak to them in parables, but I will speak to you the truth. In Matthew, uh, or Mark, in Matthew 16, Jesus has gathered his boys together, he's gathered his group together, they're up on a hill overlooking Jerusalem, and he asks this question, who do people say that I am? And he's just having a connection group with his buddies. He's just hanging out, asking questions. He's asking questions. They're asking questions. They're getting feedback. And all of a sudden, Peter steps up and goes, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus goes, you are exactly right. No place else. Every place else when he's in a crowd of people, he says, I'm the Son of Man. Go tell him the Son of Man has healed you. In that context, in that small group, he goes, Really, I, I, I am. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the son of God. I'm not worried about else that just yet, but you guys need to know that I'm exactly what you think I am. I am that. And he begins to reveal them. Later on, if you read Mark 12 and Luke 9, it's the same telling of the same story. And in Luke 9, you will find that Jesus makes this point known. He even grabs a smaller group of people, his three closest buddies, Peter, James, and John. He goes up on a mountain. He's, he's, he's sitting there together with them. And all of a sudden, these two other guys show up. A guy named Moses and a guy named Elijah. And they, they show, they see the, his real glory for the first time. And he's transfigured before them in the context of a small group. You can think you can sit in a service like this and get everything you need. Listen to me. I am not capable of giving you everything you need every Sunday morning. If, you, if, if this is the extent of the diet you get spiritually, you are going to dry up and waste away. You'll become famished. Now, there are two things that get involved here. Listen, two things get involved here. You've got to be a self-feeder to a degree. You've got to find your own time languages, and you've got to find a group of friends who will just get around you, who will pray for you. Sarah, Sarah Woods prayed this morning that groups will begin to become like families. She sees the group she's in 
becoming a family around her. And she wanted desperately for the rest of the groups to, to grab a hold of that concept and stop. There, 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 there's, a, there's a blood thing between us. You know that? Stronger than the DNA that runs through your, blood, your, your veins in your blood there, there's the blood of Jesus, and we should grow as a family. And we'll grow better as a family as we make those close, tight relationships. And you cannot get them looking at the back of somebody's head for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. You just can't. You just can't. As a disciple, Jesus called those 12 to him, his connection group, They called them disciples, and every disciple, every follower of Christ has some specific purposes. Some of you may have read Purpose Driven Church, may have read Purpose Driven Life, and and, and I don't, you know, those are just five real basic purposes that we're all created for, every one of us. They are worship. They are discipleship. Can you follow me, Thomas? They are fellowship and ministry and evangelism. And today, we're just going to talk about two of them. We're going to talk about worship and discipleship. In the New Testament, worship, in the Old Testament, worship used to be about sacrifices and offerings and going to the temple and doing certain things and abiding by certain rules. But in the New Testament, worship is this, the laying down of your life before God and saying, God, do with it what you want. Romans 12 tells us that. And discipleship is just this, following the pattern that Jesus laid out for us to live by. Learning the pattern to follow it. So worship and discipleship walk hand in hand. You cannot lay your life down and follow the pattern if you first do not know it. And you will not learn to know it unless you first lay your life down. Are you with me? And so Nancy referred to a couple weeks ago about Acts chapter 2. Let's go there really quickly. Would you like to go there with me? The church excels in Acts 2. And the question is how? How does the church excel? In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we've read it. We will continue to read it. It says this, And they, those who were being saved, the, the 3,000 that were birthed into the church all at one time, on, 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 one, on Pentecost, and they, they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Many of you have said things like, we want to see more of what happened in Acts. You know what I'd say to you? So does Jesus. And he will meet us if we will meet him. Pastor Eric used to tell me, if we want to see things happen like happened in the, in the church, in the, in the New Testament, we got to do what the New Testament church did. So Jesus will do his part if we will do our part. The Bible is full of if-then statements. If you will do this, then I will do that. If we want to see signs, wonders, and things, let's get back to the model Jesus left us. Let's get back to the Acts chapter 2 where it started. Are you with me? And it says several very important things here about what they did in Acts chapter 2, and signs and wonders were around them, and we're going to zero in on one of them for right now. Okay, that's it. It says this, Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and their goods, and they divide them among all as anyone had need. Listen, Nancy asked a question two weeks ago. How many of you, many of you have known what kind of year she's had? Does anybody know? How many would really kind of know? Anybody? 
How many of you? Not even half. Not even a quarter, I'd say. See, because you can't know everything that's going on in Nancy's life. You can't know everything that's going on in my life. Because it's, we're, we're too big for that already. But I'll bet Nancy's group knows almost everything that she's needed prayer for, that she's walked through, that she's danced through. Think about Bill and Jody, what they're going through right now. I'll bet their group knows more than anything about the, the, the trials they've gone through and seeing these two little babies come to fruition. Huh? Think about that for just a second. They had all things common. They did not hide from each other. They did not just sit in the church and, 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 and act like everything was okay. They had all things common. How did they do that? Well, let's read on. They knew what their need was, and they divided the stuff among themselves. Everybody who had, everybody had need got met. So they continued daily in one accord in the temple, a corporate setting, and breaking bread from house to house. Two things happen here. They did things in two places. They did these things in two places. They, 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 they continued the apostles' doctrine. They did fellowship. They broke bread and they prayed. They did it in two spots. They did it corporately and they did it closely. Okay, are you with me so far? Right now we're in the corporate setting. Okay, you need this because it's good for you to know that there are other people fighting the same fight you're fighting on a larger scale. Elijah's having a really rough time one day. He says, God, I'm the only one that's doing anything that really cares about serving you, and I'm just about to go crazy. Would you just kill me and get it over with? And he did not know that there was a huge group of people other than him who were fighting the same battle. And God says, listen, listen, you need to know there's 7,000 other people who have not bowed their knee yet, Elijah. If they would have had some opportunity for a corporate setting, Elijah would have known, I'm not the only one. In fact, I'm not not one of only ten. I'm not one of only a hundred. I'm one of several hundred or several thousand, and that's good for me to know. So you need this setting right here. I can't belittle that, but you need some other setting too because I I can't give you what you need. Patrick and the worship team can give you everything you need. Dave and the ushers can't give you everything you need. The sound guys can't give you everything. No matter how we try to make the best impact we can, we can't give you everything you need. So they met in close quarters. They met from house to house. They broke bread together. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Listen, here's what I believe. I believe they got, they got some tools in the corporate setting. And then they'd take it back to the close confines of a, of a house-to-house relationship. And it was like God would take that principle. He would take that thing. And in the midst of that group of people in that house, he would take like adhesive to their lives. And he would take that principle and he would stick it to them. I saw T- Terrell Pryor stick it to a linebacker yesterday. That was pretty cool. I did. He's Get away. And sometimes you need a group of people around you who help you stick it to your enemy. And you need a, you need a group of people who sometimes will help stick you with some things you need to have and will hold you accountable for those things. That close house-to-house relationship was like the glue that made those things they learn in the big setting stick. I believe that with all my heart because I found that to be true in my own life. 
I, I love my home group. I've been trying to leave for several months now. I got Sean to take it over and clear back in January. He ran with it, and I have not left yet. I am so stuck to it. I, I just keep wanting to go back, and I keep the next Sunday I want to. I'll go. I'll go visit another home group next, and I keep finding my heart going. Oh no, I don't. I do. This, wow, I need their prayers, and I want their encouragement. I want to be able to be used in their lives closely and intimately. And I, I feel this glue, this adhesive, this. And I'm learning things in there, even from them that that, that, that I'm not learning anyplace else. And I mean, it's good. So it says here they continued in the apostles' doctrine. So what is the apostles' doctrine, you might ask? Well, I think we'll find that in, a play, in, in, a, in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, Jesus, again, check this out, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Guess what? They're having a connection group meeting on a mountain. This is not the hordes of people. These are not the thousands. These are not, the, the, this is the last thing he's ever going to say as he walks physically on this, on this planet before he leaves and starts his church through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, he drew his group together one last time on a place designated for them to meet at. And he says, listen, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. That's really important because if you don't have that close group, you'll continue to doubt you continue to go down your path. They stopped doubting because they stayed together. You know how I know that? Because those 11 changed the world. They stopped doubting somehow, some way. They stayed together and stayed accountable to one another, and something, a dynamic happened. And all of them except for one died a martyr's death. How can you be in doubt and die a martyr's death? Can you tell me that? Huh? And John was the only one who didn't die a martyr's death, and they tried to boil him in oil for the cause of Christ, and then they, they exiled him to Patmos. If he hadn't had that connection with those guys, who knows that would have ever happened? There's this group, and they're growing together. And Jesus says these words. Jesus came to them saying, all, all authority has been given to me. It's funny, they, they worshiped there, it says. They worshiped him. Okay? All authority be given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. There's your apostles' doctrine. Right there. Jesus says, go teach everything I've already taught you. He grabbed his group together, and he goes, check this out. You guys, some of you guys are going to word out on me. He multiplied them. He split the group. Ooh, don't do that, please. But because he multiplied the group, the gospel expanded. And they went teaching everywhere. And they would gather other small groups in other towns, and it would grow, and it would grow, and it would grow. See, it's not splitting, it's multiplication. Get with me on that. We're not dividing and subtracting. We are multiplying and adding. God is in the multiplication and the addition quotient. He's not in the, the, the division and subtraction idea. Are you with me? So our groups need to grow and they need to multiply. And would you all do me a huge favor and remove the word split from your vocabulary. Start saying multiply. Start saying add. 
And when God raises up a new leader in your group and you guys got to go in a couple different directions, be like, dude, we're multiplying. We're adding. It's Acts chapter 2. All over again, the Lord's adding to the church daily those who are being saved, and we get to be in on it. You can do better than that. And I'm sweating, and I'm hot, and I'm out of breath. Two weeks ago, Nancy built a puzzle in front of you. Actually, she used some of you to build a puzzle. I'm going to give you the first piece of the puzzle today. Okay? Very first piece. The Bible says they went and did the apostles' doctrine. They said steadfastly in it. Okay? Are you with me with the first piece of the puzzle? You only get one piece today. You're going to come back next week, and we can have that for the other two pieces of the puzzle. Because we're going to do puzzle number one, puzzle piece number one, all right? The very first thing, the very first puzzle piece a connection group adds to your life that you need as a foundational element is you need to learn how to love God better. And you can learn a little bit here in this context but man, you get around some other people who know you, who pray for you, and all of a sudden that love thing grows. The first piece of our puzzle is the love God piece. How do you know that, Aaron? But it says, teach everything I've commanded you. Did he say that? Did you just say that? And he makes this statement. Listen, I like this part. And lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. Since you go teach what I tell you to teach, and I'll be with you even to the end of the age. So what's, talk about this. If all he commanded, don't you think he'd want them teaching the foremost commandment? Right off the bat, the greatest commandment, Jesus' own words is, the greatest commandment is to do what? Right there. To love God. And there can be an element of growing in the love for God here in this setting, but brother, it grows deep roots in a place where you can just be you. And you can see his work close and in the lives of other people. Your love for him can grow and grow and grow. Listen to Mark 12, 28. The one of the scribes came to him, and having heard them reason together that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the foremost or the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered, said, the foremost of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Verse 32 says, So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength and is more. There's another piece we'll put in the next week. We'll skip that little phrase for just right now. We'll say on love of God, love God. Is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And we're to worship God well in the New Testament. You stop worrying about what, what ox you have or what sheep you've got in your fold, because how many of you have those? Do any of you possess a turtle dove? Just wondering. Huh? Anybody? I see no hands. Oh, Daryl's got a turtle. You own a turtle dove? Could we borrow it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, see, we, we're, we're in cable under Old Testament standards to worship. We don't have oxen. We don't have sheep, most of us. 
We don't have things we can offer to the Lord as a blood sacrifice. And in fact, what the neat thing is, we don't have to. Aren't you guys glad for that? I've been around the slaughterhouse. It's nasty, and it stinks bad. We don't need that. God says the best offering you can offer is to love God with all that you are. That's the best worship that you have. When, when, when Jesus uses that verse there, the Lord, hero Israel, the Lord our God, he is one. That's a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you'll find these words. It says, verse 1 says, now this is, listen to these words, this is the commandment. Not a commandment, not some commandment, not one of a list of commandments. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, it says, this is the commandment. Are you with me? Oh, I like this. And these are the statutes of judgment which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, keep his statutes and commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply. Funny how that word keeps popping up, isn't it? Greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and hungry. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One translation says, he's the only one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. So right there, this is not just a commandment. As far as God's concerned, this is the only commandment. But what are the other ones about? See, you can't fulfill the other ones unless you first do this one. If you miss this one, all your sacrifice, all your following through, everything else you do means nothing. Are you with me? This is it. This is the whole thing. The whole ball of wax. You want to know what it means to be a Christian? This is it right here. Love God. This is the commandment. Jesus is talking to a small group of Pharisees and disciples. He conveys that. Moses says this will stick to you when you talk of it in small groups. Listen to verses 6 through 9 in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children in your own house, in your own small group. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way with your carpool buddies in the diamond lane, driving down 270. Okay, listen, small groups. Are you hearing me? And when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house. Only a certain number of people can fit into your house even to see those. And he goes back to the corporate setting. And on your gates where everybody sees it. Are you with me? So he's very intense. God's very intentional. The best place to make these things stick, the best place to help you love God is in the context of small, intimate connection and, and uh, relationship. You know, worship in our terminology, often we see it as an expression of, of love. And usually through some artistic form. Am I right? When I say worship, you guys immediately think of Patrick and Jim and Belinda and Peggy and and Chuck and Burl and anybody else who fills that role up here, the, the, sometimes the choir and Janie, all of them. Are, are, and when I say worship, your mind goes, whoop, that's, that's what worship. Am I, am I, how many of you guys with me? Am I telling the truth? Your first word association is that, right? That's only to help to give us a tool in the worship of God. It is not really the worship of God. 
Worship of God is to love him. This is a tool for us to do that with. And I, do you appreciate their ministry? I appreciate them wholeheartedly. I love what they do. But it's just a small part. You see that sign over there? It says worship is a lifestyle. It can only be a lifestyle if you love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Are you, are you still there? I'm getting there. And so worship really is loving God so much, loving him so much, you give your whole self to him. That's what true worship is. You love him with everything that's within you. It comes out in your music. It comes out in your work life. It comes out in how you act with your family. It comes out in how you, in how you interact with other people. It, ha- it comes out in how, what you do when you're driving down the road. It comes out. It just comes out. You can't help it. That's true worship. And he says, here's something else. Worship fosters discipleship because Love is expressed best through obedience. And when you love somebody, you want to find out how to best please them. Husbands, am I right? You better be, you study your wives, right? When she says she likes or dislikes something, you take mental notes. At least you better. And when you find out certain things tick her off, you think, oh, don't do that again. Don't bring that up there. Out of your love for her, you study, and you become a learner of her. Wives, you better do the same thing with your husbands, all right? Don't try and talk about big, deep stuff during the OSU game, please. All right, learn about your husband. Love him enough to give him that time. My wife loved me so much yesterday, she fell asleep beside of me while I watched the OSU game. No interruptions. She's not even here to enjoy that, is she? Where'd she go? She's probably watching TV out there and scowling at me right now. Worship fosters discipleship because it helps you learn the pattern to live by that pleases your Father, that pleases your your, your Savior, that pleases the lover of your soul. That's why worship is important. That's why we're talking about both of them. Listen, it happens best in the context of a small group. Jesus, it says this in 1 Samuel 15, 22, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. You can come here and give yourself, volunteer, until you are blue in the face. And if you don't do have a heart of love and growth, intensity for God, it means nothing. Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, so you've got you to tie your life of worship and your life of discipleship together. They cannot be separated at all. Your job as a disciple is to worship God and to follow through in discipleship. You can't get rid of it one, and you can't do one without the other. You can't obey unless you truly love him. You can't love him unless you truly obey. You see that? So why do we need it in connection groups? Connection groups are just a small group of people who meet usually in someone's home or some other place of interest to them. I know of a group that's met for years at Grinders Cafe down on Paint Street. A group of guys get together every Wednesday morning. They have for years and years and years. They talk about the scripture. They get together before their days get going, and they, they, they share life on life. It can be anywhere. It can be any place. Jesus took them to a mountain and said, meet me at a mountain. I'll meet you there. We'll talk about some stuff. Matthew 16, Matthew 28, meet me at the mountain. Meet, meet me at the normal place. He met them there very, very pretty frequently. And they, they talk together. The purpose of a connection group is to help us fulfill the great commandment. That's the big thing. It's helping us fulfill the great commandment. And the great commandment is what? 
to help us love God. How does that happen? Well, you see, God reveals himself to us through the lives and the obedience and the help and the assistance and the prayer and the study and the interaction that we have with other people. Am I telling the truth? How many of you have ever uttered words like, don't tell me you love me, show me? Ever heard that? We can sit here and we can do meet and greets and we try to do that every week, but you know what? You can't really know people love you until you get right close and personal and they have a chance to express love to you. That's what a connection group is all about. To, to, to get in that close interaction where you can feel God's love, you can give God's love, you can experience God's love. And by doing that, you're, by being interactive with other Christian people on a close level, it just, it's like a dynamo. Man. It starts to turn this generator on the inside of you, and it starts to move, and the love starts to grow, and things start to happen. We see his work. We should love him more. Thomas, can you just share a few testimonies with us? about people who've made a connection in their group. My entire life, I've been born in one, raised in one. And to me, it's like a second family. We have food together. We fellowship together. Anytime I need something, I can go to them. So it's like... You have your real family, and then you have your connection group family. Hi, my name's uh, Ernie Morris, and I've been asked to say a few words about the connection groups, and uh, I'd just like to encourage anyone that is not uh, going to any connection group to go, because they're a lot of fun. If you love the Lord, and you love good food and good fun, uh, you'll find that at a, at a connection group uh, I go to uh, Beth and, and uh, Burl Gorby's home group in Circleville, and uh, we have a real good time studying the Word, having good fun, and eating good food. And it, uh, when I was working in Columbus, uh, I couldn't get to church very often, so the home group, at that time it was called home group, uh, that was kind of like a lifeline for me because I, I couldn't get to church so I could get to home group more often. So that gave me a, a little lifeline to, to the church family. So I'd just like to encourage anybody to, to uh, go to the uh, connection groups. Thank you. One thing that I really like about connection groups is it gives me a chance out of my week to really sit down and um, hang out with my friends and fellowship with other believers. I know sometimes Sundays can seem so hectic, um, especially having a kid in the nursery. You drop them off, you go to service, you pick them up, you get them fed, and it just seems really busy sometimes. And sometimes I feel like I walk out of church and I didn't really have a good conversation with anyone. So it's nice to have that time to really sit down and have an in-depth Bible study and, and prayer with um, fellow believers and just have that chance to um, be able to encourage others in situations that they're going through as well as be encouraged um, yourself. Another, here, here's the deal. The reason you need to be involved in a connection group because it, it fulfills the intent of Hebrews chapter 10. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he intended for your life to be lived a living way. He didn't intend for you to exist. He didn't intend for you just to get by. He didn't intend for you just to, to breathe and to sleep and to eat. He intended, you for, intended for you to really live. Are you hearing me? Which he consecrated for us through the veil, which is his flesh. Having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now listen to this. How many of you guys have experienced that? You've had your, your body, your life sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. You've been washed clean. You've been, you've been set on a new and living way. Your life was turned around. Let me see your hands. Okay, now we're all, a lot of us are on the same page. If you weren't there, I wasn't trying to, sit, to uh, call you out or make you feel silly. We just, I just want to know there are people around you who are going in the right direction. Listen to these words. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Now listen to verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up, listen to this word, love. Love. Love who? Love God. And next week we'll talk about loving one another. Listen. To stir up love. Let us Consider one another to stir, love, stir, up, stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Listen, the first century Christians met in a temple, met in a corporate place, and they met in a house, breaking bread and doing close fellowship together. Listen to me. If we're not doing it the way God did it back then, we can't expect God to do what he did. And you might not want to forsake this assembly, but if you're forsaking the smaller assembly, you're still forsaking it. I don't know how much more clear I can be. We have given all kinds of opportunity. We've got a home, we've got a connection group that meets almost every day of the week now. Did you know that? So I understand you work all week and Sundays are kind of tough. You'd like to have a day down and stuff like that. Well, maybe you can find another day where you can sneak in another hour and a half and go do something significant for yourself as your growth in Jesus on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Tuesday morning or a Friday night. The not to just be on Sunday, they met daily from house to house. But exhorting one another and even more as you see the day approaching. Listen to me. We get so busy and so wrapped up with life, we do it less and less. But Hebrews chapter 10 says, as we see the stuff on the horizon, H1N1, the direction toward one world stuff and all that stuff you guys get amped up about. Listen, that should be a propeller for you to go, you know what? I need to get in a group. Things are happening, and I can't, they're out of my control, and I can't stop it. And I need people around me who will help me become everything God wants me to be so I can withstand the trial, withstand the problem, and I can grow in my love for God. If you're a group leader, would you stand up, please? Any group leaders? Look around this room. Bill and Jody are here this morning. They've been group leaders for how long, Bill? As long as we've had them. Nancy is the group leader leader. Whatever, we don't know what to call her, that's just what she is. <laughs> Jim Hedinger has a group that meets right down in Hallsville every Thursday night. Am I right, Jim? Good place to jump in and do some things, huh? Jim, Jim and Belinda meet on Sunday nights at 5 o'clock over right just a hop, skip, and a jump from this, from this facility right over there on 
Chapel Creek. I couldn't think of the name. It was Chapel something. Chapel Creek at five, right? Burl and Beth. Burl's right there. Ernie, you just heard Ernie. See, they're sitting right. Look at this group right here. Look, 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 look. look. Ernie just gave the testimony. So I'm in Burl and Beth's group, but look who's sitting next to him. That's cool. All right? You meet on Sunday in Circleville, right? Five? Five o'clock. Bill and Jody meeting Jackson? Six. Six? I heard a clap for Jackson. Woohoo! Paul and Alice. They lead a group, just started, took over Nancy's group over on Kreitzel Road. Well, where's that at? Go up to the, go up, go right up, turn, turn right out of the driveway here, the parking lot. Next road, take a right. Third house on the right. You can't miss it. Five o'clock, right? My mom and dad, right here. The one that smiled, silly, like I smile, right there. Friday nights on what street? What street? On what street? Really? Right beside Sally's old barbershop at Irene and Billy's house. Can't miss it. Bill and Heather meet on Tuesdays. Mostly young adult people, correct? You want to go to their house? They're real close too. What, what time do you guys meet? 6.15. Okay, they want to keep it kind of different over there. Okay. Turn right. Right at the next road. First house on the right. Actually, there's only, there are only houses on the right. We're on the first leg of the road. So it's the first house on the road. Okay. Am I right? Sometimes here at the church. Right? Sometimes. Right back there. Yeah, raise your hands so everybody can see you. Latanya and William are in Chillicothe on Sunday nights, usually at Nancy's house, up by the big Presbyterian church. If you know where the Presbyterian church is in town, you go there, you can't miss Nancy's house. Honestly. I've been in that neighborhood several times lately. I don't know why. I've been up on Grandview Central with my kids, showing them the city. It's been fun. Like every week we do that, like once. And six... Six o'clock, Sunday nights. Now, Brian's a little different predicament, okay? Brian's just getting started, and we hope in the next several weeks to launch a group just for men. We'll probably have some sort of a big kickoff, probably after the first of the year or something. Probably on a Monday night. We're not 100% positive of that. We're trying to work some things out and get that going. And so, listen, we'll give you all kinds of opportunities. Mary Moore's not here. She's a, she does a group for women on Tuesday mornings. Right over at Jeanette's house, the second house on Chrysler Road. Look at the whole road. Tuesday mornings at 10. Dr. Lockwood, they meet clear down on Charleston Pike. His group's down there. I'm missing somebody. Who else am I missing? Sean and Angie Bear. That's my group. How did I forget that? We meet over on Robinson Road. You go down this way, second road on your left, 880 Robinson Road behind the woods in a log cabin, 6 o'clock, Sunday nights. Kids are welcome. I can't speak for all the rest of the groups. We have all kinds of kids. We just kick them out in the yard and tell them to have fun. Okay? Listen, there's a place for you here. There's a place for you in every one of these places. If you need to know how to love God, how to grow in your love for him, how to become a great disciple, you need to plug into one of these places. That's just the bottom line. You need to grow like that. You need to become everything God wants you to become. I would much rather listen to me right here, right now. If you're going to make one decision, and Jeanette, maybe some of the other leaders are going to get mad at me right here, right now. I'll ask for forgiveness later. As a pastor... 
if you can only choose between volunteering and being in a connection group because of the way time works, stop volunteering, get in a connection group. Why? Because I'm more worried about you growing as a Christian and becoming a disciple than I am about you doing anything. I'm just being honest. You guys can't sit down. I'm sorry. That's just me. We, we require that of people who are serving in ministry because we want you to be the best follower of Christ. Not the, you're supposed to be a human being, not a human doing. And the only way you can be what God wants you to be is to grow in your love for him and to find out what he wants. And you'll do that best in the context of a connection group. That's just the bottom line. That's, your, that's, my, that's, my, that's my heart. Are you hearing me? Stand up with me. You'd say, Aaron, I need to grow in the love for God department. I've heard you. That's the greatest commandment. Number one, I need prayer. And number two, I need to get in a connection group. How do I do that? Let me see your hands. Anybody says, dude, I'm just struggling in the, in the love for God department. Anybody bold enough to do that in this place? I see some hands back there. People I wouldn't expect that to be coming from, honestly. So if they can do it. You can do it too. Most of you I see raising your hands already in a group. You know what you need to do tonight, you guys? You need to go to your group and you need to be honest about that. And let your group know the things you're struggling with. The things you're, 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 that, are, that, are, that are keeping you from loving God the way you want to, the way he wants you to. Those of you who are, who, who, who are struggling in your love for God department, you know your life doesn't line up, listen to me. This is going to be a real simple altar call. There are blue cards out on that wall right behind where that Jesus banner is. You want to grow in your love for God department? You go grab a few of them. You make some phone calls, and you find out how to get plugged in to a group that's going to help you grow as a Christian and grow in your love for God. That's the bottom line. I'm real big on practicality. Emotions are good. They'll help you in certain instances, but sometimes they're not there. And if we learn to be practical, we learn to take what God's given us and actually do something with it, it carries us a lot farther than any emotional response is. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning, we say, Jesus, you are the only one, like Deuteronomy said, Father. We want to fulfill, God, the only commandment you really gave us, the commandment Deuteronomy 6 told us, Lord. God, is to love you because you're the only one. Peter said these words, where else could we go, Jesus? You have the words of life. God, we want to come to you, God, the way you, you, did, you told us to. God, we love this setting. We love coming together on Sundays and worshiping you together and growing together and learning of you. But God, help us to grow in that microcosm of, of church life called a connection group, in a small group, God, where we can love each other truly. We can be open and honest and get prayer for what really ails us. And people can show us the truth of the Scripture, how it's affected their lives, God. And we can answer questions, God, about your word that we don't quite get. And, and God, we can do things like that. Lord, God, let each of us find ourselves longing for that kind of interaction, longing for that kind of interruption in our lives, longing, Jesus, for you to help us grow in our love for you to such a degree that nothing else matters and that, God, you will be glorified in every part of our lives. Jesus, I pray that Church Triumphant will find itself growing and growing and growing as we apply the truth of your scripture from the book of Acts and the New Testament, that you would add to us daily, God, help us to follow your pattern. 
Lord, we bless you and we love you and we honor you, Jesus, for that. God, connect us with exactly the right group that fits where we are and what we need, God, and what we can supply to other people, Jesus. That, God, we can, we can be an instrument in your hands to encourage and strengthen and provoke another person to love and good works, Jesus. God, we bless you and we thank you, Father, for that. In the glorious, amazing, and awesome name of the only one who cared enough about us to die for us. God, the only one who's coming again to, to, to rid the world of this sin and garbage that we do every day. God, the only one who really, really matters. The awesome and amazing name of Jesus. Everybody say, Amen.